morning and welcome back to Alger Assembly of God. Welcome to what will be the conclusion of our series entitled 119. Uh, we spent a, a handful of weeks on this. Uh, this is Psalm 119. It's the longest chapter in the entirety of the Word of God. It's 176 verses. Uh, we've kind of mentioned this each time and each week, but you'll notice uh, in your Bibles, many of them have them separated into eight verse segments. And you'll see a, a little, it looks like a, a weird word on the top of that. It's a Hebrew letter. And so there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, and each of those letters has eight verses. So eight times 22 gives 176 verses long. Uh, we've challenged you, many of you have taken up the challenge to read that entire chapter, but this entire chapter, it's, it's that alphabet acrostic. So those first eight verses begin, each of those lines begin with that first letter of the Hebrew alphabet. And then each of those second set of eight verses begins with the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet all the way through. And the theme of this entire chapter, it's about God and his word, and it's the practical use of God's word in the life of a believer. And so we've not looked at every single verse or every single stanza. I've mentioned about other commentators and preachers from years gone past who have preached and studied and written hundreds of sermons and hundreds of pages. So we're taking an overview. Basically, as we begin the year, the challenge is that you would get into God's word, develop that hunger, develop that thirst for the word of God. And so this entire chapter, this entire psalm is about God and his word. Trust God, know God, do God and do his word. And so uh, no matter what's going on around us, we stand firm on and we plant our lives in the word of God. We know that God's word is helpful. In many cases, God's word is able to deliver us came across this story. Charles Spurgeon tells a, an amusing story, amusing after the fact. A man named George Wishart, the first Episcopal Bishop of Edinburgh, who during the 1600s was sentenced to death by hanging. He came to the day of his execution hoping for a pardon, but the pardon had not yet arrived. Now, it was a custom in those days to allow a, a condemned man to call for the singing of a psalm before he was put to death. Any guesses as to which psalm he asked to be sung? Psalm 119, 176 verses long. So the bishop, stalling for time, indeed called for the singing of Psalm 119. Now, as the story goes, before they hit verse 100, the pardon arrived and Wishart was spared. God does use his word to deliver his servants. Now, that might not necessarily be the exact case or the exact way that he will deliver you and I, but we take a look. Psalm 119, there are many, many synonyms for the word of God. He talks about his word, his principles, his precepts, his laws, his commands or commandments. And so all the way throughout this chapter, we are seeing almost every single verse. I mean, you can probably count on one hand four or five verses out of all of them that do not have some reference to a synonym for the word of God. 
And so first time together, we looked at what is our reaction to the Word of God. Second time together, we looked at the process of how to live out the Word of God. Last time together, we looked at the relevance of God's Word. This is the Word of God, and it was written many, many years ago, and yet it is so incredibly relevant to your life and to my life. And so last time we saw that God's Word was timeless, it's priceless, it is limitless. We can found and base our life upon the Word of God. So today, as we get ready to conclude, again, this is the overview. I challenge you to read the entire chapter. See how the psalmist weaves, you know, every single verse, literally, about the Word of God. But we're going to take a look at another familiar, uh, familiar passage of Scripture, including one very familiar verse. And we're going to see how God's Word is mentioned and described as a light and as a lamp. Yes, Psalm 119, verse 105, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So we're going to examine that section of eight verses. But when the psalmist writes, God's word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, we say, what in the world is that about? You and I think about lights, and there are a handful of reasons that light exists, Right? First of all, a light is to eliminate the darkness. How many of you are a little scared of the dark? Nobody's scared? Okay, we got a couple of hands. Okay, maybe you're not scared, but how many of you are a little bit more apprehensive? You know, you're not, you don't like roaming around even your house in the dark. You don't want to come home to a dark house. And, and you certainly wouldn't venture out maybe to a church by yourself in the dark at night or some business, you know, like that, because the, the darkness is there. We're, we're not crazy about the darkness. One of the things about light is that light eliminates the darkness. I mean, think about it. You're at home. It's dark. It's pitch black. You, you kind of stumble in. You put your, your arm or your hand. You try to find that light switch and flip the switch. And what happens? Instant light. Darkness is eliminated, right? Spiritually, God's word, it's the lamp. It's the light. It helps to eliminate darkness, there's all kinds of dangers and experiences in life that we struggle with and, and we don't like to face. They're real. God's Word, it lights up the darkness. It, it eliminates that. And many times there's, there's dangers, there's anxieties, there's insecurities, and sometimes we forget about God. We forget about the lamp or the light that God has. And so spiritually speaking, he says, God's word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light into our path in that it helps to eliminate the darkness. Now, what else does light do? Light helps us to avoid obstacles. If you've been out, you know, late at night, uh, maybe you're camping or hiking. Uh, typically, you, you've got a flashlight of some kind and you're, you're aiming it on the ground because you don't want to step into a, a rut, step into a hole, twist your ankle, step on some kind of animal or snake. Or maybe, you know, it's just simply at home. How many of you uh, tend to use your cell phone as a little bit like a nightlight or, you know, you get up in the middle of the night maybe to get a drink or to go to the restroom and you grab that cell phone kind of from the nightstand. You don't want to step on Legos that are on the floor. 
You don't want to step on, you know, those socks or those clothes or who knows what's in a teenager's room in the middle of the night. And so you grab a cell phone and, and either flip on the flashlight or sometimes it's dark enough that just the, the glow of that home screen gives you just enough light to help you avoid obstacles, right? It helps you to know what not to step on. And depending on what your room or your house looks like, it, it could be like a little bit of a minefield, right? You know, you're kind of weaving in and around certain things. If you were to flip on the light switch, it would completely eliminate the darkness. But having that light helps you to see what to avoid. That's what God's Word does for us. He says it's a lamp and it's a light. And as we read, as we dig in, as we study the Word of God, it helps us to know certain things that you and I ought to avoid as a Christian. There are things that are not wise. There are things that are not good, things that are not godly, things that are sinful. And it's all listed and written and, and instructed in the Word of God. And so as we dig into God's Word, it helps eliminate the darkness. It helps to avoid obstacles, helps us to know what to avoid, some of those things that will lead us away from God. So it helps us to avoid obstacles. A light also does what? It reveals the right path. It lets you know what not to step on, but it lets you know what to step, where to step, where to walk. So late at night, you, you've got that cell phone, and you see, oh, I can step here. There's no Legos. I can step here. There's no socks. I can step here. It's clear floor. Late at night, camping, hiking, you've got a flashlight. Oh, I can avoid that snake. I can step on this path. I can step over this twig and I can step on the gravel. It helps you to know where you are to step. The right path, the right road. You think about lights on our vehicles, right? Headlights. How many of you, you've, you've driven out in the country, it's, it gets pitch black at night. Sometimes there are no, uh, you know, road lights or street lights. You've got to have your headlights on. You don't want to end up in the ditch, so those headlights help you to know what to avoid. It helps you to know where to drive. Well, that's in the natural. Spiritually speaking, here in the Word of God, God's Word is that light, it's that lamp, and it helps eliminating the darkness, helps us to avoid obstacles spiritually, and helps reveal the right path. It gives instruction. It gives direction. This is the way. Walk in it. Live in it. Here's the guidance and direction for your life. It shows us the right path. So it's interesting. He says, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Now, they didn't have vehicles. They didn't have headlights. They didn't even have battery-powered uh, flashlights, right? They were more little lamps, probably an oil lamp, maybe a flax wick to give off a little bit of a light. Uh, you know, you've seen kind of a, a small little lamp, perhaps, that might be carried. And it's enough. It's, it's nothing that is this bright, you know, shine the way ahead of, you know, 500 feet, but it's enough. It's going to light your path and let you know that next step or two. It's a lamp unto our feet. And it leads us to trusting in Jesus. Because when he says it's a lamp unto your feet, it's enough to know what that next step is like. 
It's faith. It's trust. Elizabeth Elliot and her model for life was just do the next thing. God's word illuminates it to let us know what is that next step. What is the next thing in our life and in our walk with God? Sometimes simply what God wants you and I to do is to take that step of faith and step the next step. But sometimes, if we're being honest, we get a little bit paralyzed because we want to see the whole path. Any of you like that? You want to see the whole path. God, show me the, the entire path. Not, not just the next step, but all the steps after that step. Not just what that next day is going to be like. God, give me that path the next year, five years, 10 years, 25 years down the road. So many people in culture and society, they want to know the future. And many times they'll do just about anything, including uh, checking a look at fortunes, horoscopes. They want to know what the future holds, and God's word is here to be clear. But in many cases, he's simply giving us the next step, saying, here it is. He's, he's shining a light on the next step, shining the light on what not to, to step on and where to step. Uh, but sometimes we get a little bit paralyzed. We say, I'm not stepping until I see the whole path. I'm not stepping until I see the whole staircase. It looks like I'm taking a step up or I'm, I'm taking a step down. God wants us to trust him and step out in faith. So a lamp to our feet certainly lets us know, in some cases, many cases, he's letting us know what is that next step for us. But he, he also says it is a light unto my path. And, and that might be more like that headlight. It does shine a little bit brighter. It does give you a, a little further in the distance. Now, it doesn't necessarily show you mile after mile after mile, but it certainly is much farther, much brighter than maybe a little flashlight in front of your feet. You see, as we get into God's Word, it might not let us know what that next five years or 10 years or 25 years is going to be like in your life, but God's Word gives us principles to live, how to base and guide and direct our lives it's according to his word so he's challenging us take that next step of faith but here are the principles here are the, the instructions on how to live for the long haul so it's a lamp both to our feet what's that next step and it's a light to our path. God, I'm going to live according to your word. And this is going to help guide me and direct me in the general course of my life forward. I might not know all of the details 10 years from now, but your principles, your precepts, your instructions give me the framework to live my life forward. A lamp to my feet, a light unto my path. See, the word of God does reveal the will of God. But many times, you know, we, we want it, uh, you know, we want a text, we want an email, we want a car. We want step-by-step -step GPS directions. Oh, it's, it's been so easy, right? You can take your phone out and you can, any one of the, the maps, Google Maps, Apple Maps, and it'll just let you know how to get from here to there, even if it's hundreds of miles away, turn-by-turn -turn directions. Many times that's what we want. 
But in many cases, God's word gives us that general overview. Here's how to live your life for the long haul. And step by step, it's that lamp unto our feet. Here's how we are to live. So in this section, there's eight verses here, and, and we're briefly going to look at each of those other verses in this section. So from uh, 107 on up to 112. We'll go a little bit out of order, but here are another uh, number of action steps from the Word of God. Because it's a lamp to our feet, because it is a light to our path, here are a number of action steps and action, uh, actions that you and I ought to do in our lives. First of all, we ought to learn. We've covered this before, but Psalm 119, 108, it says, Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. Are you and I willing to grow and learn the word of God? What are we doing to learn? What disciplines have we formed do we faithfully read? That's, that's why, you know, week after week and month after month and year after year, I encourage with Bible reading guides. We've got paper Bible reading guides in the foyer. If you've not gotten one, three different ones available. They're on our website, algerag.com. You can download them there. We've got devotionals for free in the foyer. As well, we mention about different apps, the Bible app is an incredible one. The Bible in many languages, in many versions, with devotionals, teachings, videos, all things to help you and I learn and grow and study in the Word of God. How about memorizing? That, that's part of learning. It's hiding God's Word in our heart. There are so many different things. The psalmist is saying all through God's Word, it's so important, hide it in your heart. He says, your word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. So learning is one of those action steps. Secondly, how about delight? Verse 111 says, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy, or some versions would say, the delight of my heart. Now, challenging question for you, but when it comes to God's word, do you delight in it? Or do we just simply put up with it? You know, you, you can tell a lot about a person by what brings them joy. Now, we know that typically family brings joy, right? Spouses and kids and grandkids. And I always say there's just something special about grandkids. It's a, it's a different kind of level of love and, and, you know, different family members. Pets are special, right? How many of you have a pet? All right, let's, let's do the quick study. How many of you are dog people? Raise your hand. How many of you are cat people? Raise your hand. I got some of both, okay? And some of you might even have some of both. But I bet that you would be pretty particular and loving about your pet. Dog or cat, you know, there, there's something about how we treat our pets, and it brings joy, right? And there's other kinds of things, whatever your pastimes might be. For some, it's playing sports or watching sports. Sometimes it's, you know, outdoors, hunting, fishing, hiking. Sometimes it's indoors by shopping and searching. It might be music to play or to listen. I mean, there's a whole host of things that we enjoy and that bring us joy. 
But the question is, does reading the Word of God rank on our list somewhere? Is there a joy, is there a delight that comes from the Word of God? If not, why? I, I want to challenge us. Uh, personally, uh, to me, there's a, a joy. It, it's not drudgery to open up God's Word every day. It's, it's a habit. It's a discipline. But it's a joy and a delight. I've mentioned over the years I've read God's Word in, in a variety of different versions and translations, somewhere between 10 and 15 of them. And to me, it was a joy and a delight to think, okay, I want to read through the Bible in this version. I don't yet have it as a, as a copy of the Bible in that version. So I, then you, you combine shopping it to go shop, buy a brand new Bible and read it through that year. And so I did that for a number of years in, in finding some new versions or translations I hadn't read yet. Uh, these last several years, I've mentioned I've done quite a bit of reading and study on the iPad and the Bible app. The Bible app has many, many different versions or translations, and so I would kind of search and, and find one I have not read yet. And so that's, that's kind of fun. It's almost like kid in a candy store. What version, what translation am I going to read through this year? There's joy and delight. Now, that doesn't mean that every verse or chapter or book of the Bible is as delightful. I mean, let's just be honest. Leviticus is a little tougher read than Matthew or Mark or Luke or John or even Genesis for that matter. But do we have this overall delight in the Word of God? If there's not a delight, if there's not a joy, it might be because we've not been spending time in it, reading it, studying it, and learning it. So I want to challenge us, kind of form that discipline, getting into God's Word, get into it every single day if possible, not just when we're in need. Some, sometimes when it comes to God's Word and prayer, we do that when something happens in our life. Difficulty comes, hardship comes, a, a time of loss or a season of loss, and we don't know what to do, we don't know where to turn, so we dig into God's Word and we turn to God in prayer. I want to challenge and encourage us. Let's do that on a regular basis each and every day, that discipline to do so, not just when things are tough, but even when things are good. We can learn. That should be a regular part of our process with the Word of God. We are to delight or have joy, the attitude and approach. Thirdly, we're to remember. Verse 109, though I constantly take my life in my hands, I will not forget your law. You and I are to do what we can to remember God's Word. That's part of where memorizing comes in. Now, boys and girls, sometimes in our, in our Sunday school classes, our discipleship classes, uh, boys and girls ministry classes, many times, they are tasked with memorizing certain verses. And it's great. We've had uh, different girls and girls ministries, some who've gone all the way through the process and have learned and memorized various verses of Scripture and it's amazing, when you learn and memorize a verse of Scripture, it's there. In different times, God then kind of brings it to your mind or brings it to your heart at just the right time. But if it's not in there, how can it be brought to our memory? It's the classic, now, you never did this. I'm sure it's people in other churches, but in school, 
you know of other people who said something like this. They're getting ready for a test. They're getting ready for an exam. And they, they kind of crazily, hurriedly utter a prayer to God. God, bring everything back to my remembrance. What they're really meaning is this. God, I didn't read. God, I didn't study. God, I really didn't go over what I was supposed to go over, but somehow magically stick it in my head because I didn't put it there. Now, I know you would never do that, but I, I know of some people who do, right? It's, it's that kind of last-ditch attempt to say, help me, God. And if we're not careful, we do the very same thing in our lives spiritually. We face a difficulty. We face a situation that we don't know what to do or how to handle things. And so when we face that difficulty, we say, okay, God, bring something back into my remembrance. Help me to know. But if we've not put something in, if we've not studied, if we've not learned, if we've not memorized God's word, there's nothing in there to be drawn from. So the encouragement to remember when he says, I will not forget your law, he's saying, I've spent time reading, I've spent time studying. In fact, I, I've tried to memorize a good chunk of that. Now, maybe you'd say, uh, I struggle at memorizing or remembering. This isn't Bible quiz where it's got to be word for word and letter for letter. Even if you kind of read and study and you kind of get the gist of it, Maybe you wouldn't pass the word-for-word word part, but, but you, you remember the, the basic idea of that verse you've read and kind of studied. It's in there. It's going to be able to be remembered and brought out by God. So we, we learn, we delight, we remember. Number four, we stay. Verse 110 says, The wicked have set a snare for me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. He says, I've not strayed. I've not wandered. In fact, I have stayed. I've stayed put. I've stayed right here. And when I think of this word stay, uh, it reminds me of a story. I remember a number of years ago, this was uh, before, I think probably before Kim and I had cell phones, or at least before we had smartphones. We had one of those big maps, the Rand McNally maps in the car, and or we had printed out directions to certain places through the internet and map quest or map blast. And so uh, we would drive and Kim would often be uh, kind of the navigator. You know, she would have the printout of things and, and because it was line after line, I wasn't able to kind of look and read. So I say, okay, let me know what the next step is. And, and so we, okay, we're, we're gonna be turning here. We're gonna be looking for this exit. And I'll never forget it in one particular point. I'm not sure where we were going, but I said, all right, Kim, so what's next? Where are we going? And she said, stay here. I said, what? Um, we're on the highway. I'm driving 65 or 70 miles an hour, whatever the, you know, the speed limit was. And she said, stay here. Now, she did not literally mean to stop the car in the middle of the highway and stay here. What did she mean? Stay here. Stay where you are. We're in this lane. You know, we're not turning to the right. We're not turning to the left. We're just going to stay here, stay on course until the next turn. But it, it, it struck me. Stay here. Stay put. And God's word says, I've not strayed. 
And the challenge is when life comes and the difficulties of life hit, struggles come and challenges and loss hits, sometimes we, we stray from the word of God. We stray from the word of God. He says, I am not going to stray. I'm not going to turn to the right. I'm not going to turn to the left. I'm going to stay put. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to keep going in the midst of hardships and trials and struggles and difficulties. I'm going to stay grounded in God and grounded in his word because it is going to be helpful for me moving forward. But the challenge is we, we often desire to stray. It, it seems enticing or it seems helpful. Well, this person's going to say this and this person's going to say that. And we veer off one way or another instead of staying put. The psalmist says, I have not strayed. So our, our actions moving forward, we are to learn and delight and remember and stay. Number five, we're to be protected. Verse 107, he says, I've suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord. According to your word. The psalmist says, preserve it or protect me, God. God and, and the power of his word, we can stand firm upon him. There's a lot of different things that we face in situations in life. And we say, God, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't know how to face it. And the psalmist says, God, I'm trusting in you to protect. I'm trusting in you to preserve me. I'm going to stay faithful to you, and I know, God, you are a good and a gracious and a merciful and a faithful God and able to protect. Aren't you thankful for that? Six, he says, we are to obey. Verse 106, I've taken an oath and confirmed it that I will follow your righteous laws. Follow. Obey. You see, it's one thing to read God's Word. It's another thing to kind of learn and study and memorize God's Word, but it's a whole other thing to do what? To put it into practice and obey it. The psalmist is serious here. He says, I've taken an oath. I've confirmed it. I'm, I'm double-checking it. God, I'm going to do what you say. It's... It's easy to just read God's Word. We can grab a Bible reading guide and we can say, okay, I'm going to read one chapter today or I'm going to read, you know, this, this amount of reading, this amount of verses, this amount of chapters. And so we, we spend a, a handful of minutes and we read from the beginning to the end and we check the little box and we close the Bible and we say, wow, I'm done. Listen, it's great to read. It's great even to spend a little more time and study, maybe reflect on it, think about it, maybe uh, through your Bible and through some concordances to, to find some other verses that tie into that verse, some other scriptures that tie into that theme. It's even, it's even great to memorize and learn it and kind of put it into our minds and into our hearts. But more than reading, more than studying, more than learning, more than memorizing is obeying it. Are we ready and willing and able to put it into practice? And the psalmist, in multiple verses throughout all 176, many times he talks about obeying, following, living out God's word. That's the challenge for you and I, to follow and obey what God has to say. It's easy when you read a verse that you're already doing, you say, yep, I've got that. 
Let me stop before I find a verse that I'm not doing. But maybe you've, you've read a verse and you, you kind of felt that, that twinge or you, you felt a little bit of that prompting of the Holy Spirit. Here, here's something that you're struggling with. Here's an area that you're not living out. Here's something you're not fully obeying. Then we read. Maybe we stop. We allow God through the power of the Holy Spirit to prompt and or convict our heart and say, okay, God, how do I live this out? What do I need to do? Do I need to go and make things right and forgive this person? Do I need to go and confess this sin to you? Is there something that I've just, I've not been doing that I should be doing? Or something I have been doing that I shouldn't be doing? How do I obey what your word has to say? It's an important part of these action steps of God's word. Finally, Verse 112, he says we are to keep. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. It's, it's not just living out. It's not just obeying it, but obeying it and keeping it for the long haul. Are we consistent in how we live out the word of God? That we don't just pick and choose certain instructions or directions based on what seems easier or more palatable. We seek to obey not just when it's convenient, but every day throughout our life, God, help me to hold on to and keep your word. Not just keep, but keeping them to the very end. It's a faithfulness for the long haul. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm in church I made it in the midst of some snow or in the midst of some cold. It's single digits out. I'm here, so throughout today, I'm going to be faithful to God's word. Well, when I get home, we'll see. Or when it turns to Monday and it turns to the work day or the school day, maybe it's a little more challenging. But Sunday, Sunday mornings from 1030 to noon, I'm in. That's not what the psalmist is saying. He's saying faithfulness, and I am keeping your decrees to the very end. I want to faithfully live in obedience to your word. Faithfulness for the long haul. See, God's word is mighty and powerful. And there's so much that is in God's word for your life and in my life. This can be the most important and life-changing book you and I will ever read. Or it could simply be another book that's left on a shelf and gathers dust. The choice is up to you. The choice is up to me. The intent of this particular chapter that the psalmist wrote and the intent of this particular overview of a series, 119, is to nudge and encourage and challenge us to develop that heart for God's word. The choice is up to you. The choice is up to me. Let's develop that heart of love for God's word so we can live out God's word. <laughs>